Um, we've been uh, just doing a, a series called Live It um, a series, and it's battled the book of James, and I think this is the last one, and uh, so, because uh, Easter's next weekend. You never know, there could be a return after Easter, but anyway, uh, that's at, at this moment. And so I wanted to just uh, uh, continue with it, just one more time at least, and uh, I want us to look at James chapter 3. Um, you'll be, you're probably well aware now, you've heard me go on about this, but the reality is James was, he wrote this book and he was the brother of Jesus. Um, he didn't become a follower of Jesus, he was a believer in God all of his life. He was a Jew, he was, but he became a follower of Jesus, his brother, actually after Jesus' resurrection, he, he finally said, wow, that's incredible, he believed in it. And he became a passionate believer, he just didn't become a kind of a sideline critic or a sideline observer he became a passionate he jumped in and became a passionate that's why he became the leader of the church christian church in jerusalem not just the judaism but the christian uh side of church and uh and so he he, james was one of these guys that was very practical and he and he, he had all these jewish people in his church who'd come out of um judaism come to believe in jesus his brother half-brother, and, and now he, he realizes they've got a head full of information. They know the Old Testament, but they haven't got much of a heart for it. And so he speaks to them very practical because he wants more than information. He wants them to be, have transformation. Who knows there's a difference? I can read the Bible and it just becomes a great information, but you know, and to allow, you, allow it into your heart and let the Holy Spirit quicken it, you know, it never transforms anything. So, so James is very practical, and he, and he starts to talk to them about some of the things. And the whole book, the whole five chapters, is really um, dealing with just some of the issues that they were facing in the Jerusalem church. Because you can appreciate they came from all different places, and they've come now, and they're this hot pot of different people and different thoughts. Uh, and he starts to straighten them out and help them and support them and encourage them with those thoughts. So let's go to James chapter 3, verses two to f- verse 2 to start with. Is that cool? It says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect person, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member that boasts great things, and see how great a forest a little fire kindles. And then we'll just go on to verse 9. Uh, with it we bless uh, God and Father, it's talking about the tongue, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God, and out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be, ought not be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? And we know the answer, No. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Going on to verse uh, uh, 12. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. And if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. So now we see James starts to give the reasons why we need to watch our tongue. This wisdom does not descend uh, from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Wow. James really didn't hold back. And actually, any of his, 
any of his writings in James, it's just, he's, he's just full on. He's just straight at it. And it says in verse 2, um, it just says, stumble in word. If you cannot stumble, if you don't stumble in your words, you, you're perfect. Um, I, I've, um, I've discovered that I haven't reached that level yet. I was just yesterday morning, I was at um, a, a group, a running group called Park Run, and, and um, I saw a young couple there who uh, I've known for years and years now. They've been coming and spent some time together. And they've got a little two-year-old baby and a and, uh, young married couple they are. And I walked over to them and I, was, and I saw her and I thought she was pregnant again. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. <laughs> and uh, I was about to say, hey, when's the baby due? And I just zipped my lip and I did it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was proud of myself because I know plenty of people who I've been with who have come up to a couple I'm talking to and this person will come up and say, hey, when is, you know, when is the baby due? And the woman will go, um, 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 and then all of a sudden the person kind of like realizes they've made a mistake and so they say, oh, you've had the baby? Oh, have you? <laughs> have you ever had that happen? <laughs> to you. <laughs> For every lady who's had that happen, we sincerely apologize right now. <laughs> but who knows that it's almost like you, you want to take those words that you've let out of your mouth and you want to grab them and put them back in and say, oh, you didn't hear that, but you can't do that because the word is out, isn't it? What you've said has been spoken. And I, um, and I want to just tell you how it ended because with my friends, I, she finally said to me, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant again. And I went, <laughs> didn't literally show that, but inside I'm going, whoa, I'm glad I, you know, I was about to say something and it, could have, and it would have been right, but you know, what would happen if it was wrong and so, so forth. And I said, congratulations, it's great to be able to think you've got another one on the way. And all that happened. So in this passage, James is, James is saying in verse 2, we stumble sometimes with our words unintentionally, but then he goes on to talk about how we not just stumble, but sometimes intentionally we can have words that are not good. We speak out of this mouth that is, can be destruction. Who knows there's life and death in the power of the tongue, isn't there? The scripture says that. And so James in this passage, in what he's speaking about, he actually says in, a, in chapter 1 of James, is, this is chapter 3, we're talking about now James chapter 1, he says, be slow, he says, be quick to hear, but what? Slow to speak. I think that's why James says that. Because he knew that in this church, there were some people that had, were stumbling in their words, but not just that, were intentionally saying things to each other that was just damaging and destructive to other people. Maybe just damaging and destructive to the kingdom of God overall. Someone said this, master your mouth so you're not a slave to your words. And it's true, we've got to be careful, we become a slave to what we've said. So I've entitled this message, just master our mouth. So I want us to look at some things here, what James talks about in this passage of James chapter 3, about how to master our mouth, okay? How to master our mouth. You could, talk, you could also call it tame your tongue, whatever, but I've just said master our mouth. And in James chapter 3, verse 3, let me remind you just again, it says, Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn the whole body. Now, most of you get that straight away, but let me emphasize that interesting thought. James is talking about some, he talks about ships as well, and the small rudder can, and most of us understand that if you see a ship in the harbor, small rudder can direct the massive big tanker 
It's amazing, isn't it? Just such a small part of that boat. And, you know, and a horse, all you've got to do is you've got to have a bridle in its mouth and you can pull on that bridle with the reins and it'll direct the horse. Some of you know horses. I've discovered I don't. I haven't given enough time. You know, I, I was on a horse ride, trail ride uh, for the fourth time in my life. I thought I could ride. Don't make that mistake, folks. Because the lady in my trail ride, who was taking us on the trail ride, said to me, anybody ride here? And I went, yeah, me. So she gave me the horse at the end of the trail. And obviously she knew this horse was a little bit contentious. And so all the way out for the two kilometers or whatever we rode, the horse was perfect. You know, trail rides, they just follow nose to tail, nose to tail, nose to tail. It's, it's easy. It, literally, you're just a passenger. The horse does everything. But on the way back, the horse obviously got hungry. And so it would put its head down on some grass on the side of the path. Meanwhile, the trail ride was now 100 meters away. And I, I'd be like, and the first time it happened, I thought, oh, he's just hungry. And I'm just sitting there. I mean, the reins to me were, didn't really need them. Um, so I just sat there and all of a sudden the horse put its head up and it saw the end of the trail ride 100 meters away. It bolted. It, didn't, it just didn't kind of walk and trot. It took off from, a, from zero to 100 miles an hour in a moment. How do horses do that? So now the reins were frivolous. Who needed reins? There was a thing on the front of the saddle called a horn. That was, my, that was the very thing that kept me from falling off. So the two kilometers back, five times this horse puts its head down and I knew every time what was going to happen. I tell you what, it was the worst trial ride of my life. But here's the point. All I had to do was grab the reins and, and the reins were attached to this little metal circular cylinder in the mouth of the horse and, and just pull it. And you know what? I, and, and, and every time I put its head down, I didn't really grasp that. I'd give it a little kick. I'd kind of talk to it. Come on, nice horsey. <laughs> Just go. Walk. walk. And, and, and then sometimes I'd do this with the reins. And I thought I, I knew how to ride a horse. It never obeyed me. I got back to the thing. And you know, no one knew any different because everybody was pointing that way. I got back and everybody, and they all, and the someone said, Hey, did you just enjoy your ride? And I went, Yeah. <laughs> the owner jumped on the horse, and straight away the horse obeyed it, and it just pulled on the reins. I thought, Gee, what was wrong with me? Everything. You know, the horse in the end knew that I was an idiot. <laughs> horse is incredibly intelligent, I found out. I wasn't. I want to just say it's such a small part, but this massive big horse with muscles and four legs can, can be controlled by a simple bridle. And you know, the same thing with us is that we've got to realize some of you stand six foot, some of you are big people, you're strong, but you know what? Your tongue will rule your whole life. It's just a little muscle. It hasn't even got any bone structure in it. And yet it's able to do amazing Things in the positive and then such destructive things in the negative simply through what we speak. And I've done, a pr I've done some pretty good jobs of people sometimes in family and I've just spoken. I, I knew it was wrong and I didn't mean to say it, but I said it anyway and it was hurtful. And I think, you're stupid, silly. And that's what James is talking about. He says, and here's the, here's the thing that we need to understand that... We need to understand what James is saying. My very first point is understand uh, its power. Understand its power. And when you're about to say something, and if you know it's not right, that the opportunity is don't unleash that power. Pull back and say, nope, I zip my lip. You might be feeling it inside. You've got to you know, zip the lip. You've got to uh, 
keep quiet sometimes. You've just got to realize the power of your tongue to bless or to curse sometimes. We've got to be careful. Do you know, I, I love the fact in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Do you know what God said? God said in Genesis, right, the very first book of, not just the Old Testament, the very first book of the Bible in verse 3, it says this, Then God said, that's what it's written. It said, then God said, God spoke something. And he said, let there be light. And there was what? Light. Do you know the very first speech recorded in scripture, at least, was not for communication. It was for creation. And when you, you know, and, and the reality is, is that every, when God spoke, he wasn't speaking to people. He was speaking to darkness. And when he spoke to darkness, he said, let there be light. It was through his speech as he spoke, there was light was created. And we enjoy the benefits of that every day of our lives. Light that God spoke into being. It wasn't for communication, it was for creation. And you know, no wonder when Jesus came to earth, that he'd speak to the storm and he'd silence it. Because he knew what to, he, he was like his father, heavenly father. When he'd speak to diseases, he'd, he'd heal people and destroy the disease. Destroy leprosy, destroy stuff. It was amazing. He just had to speak it. And you know what? He's given you and me the authority. And he says, that's why James is so adamant about what we speak and being careful. Because we have authority in our tongue. In the name of Jesus, we can speak to stuff and see it healed. Anxiety, sometimes we can speak to that and see it destroyed. You know, worry and anxiousness and stuff that just wants to riddle our lives and try and destroy our lives. You know what? It, the Word of God says we have the same authority. We have the same power living within us that God had. And it's not because we deserve it, or, but it's... It's because of his incredible love for us and he gives us that authority and when we speak when we speak we can speak the word of God and let's realize for creation for confession for good things hey and like God in the name of Jesus we can see wonderful things happen but it all starts with our words the way we speak um, so when you know when we have some emotions like anger or envy or, or unforgiveness and, 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 and there's an opportunity to speak out stuff. We, we've just got to be aware. Don't let the words rule your lives. Shut it down. Don't allow it out of the mouth because sometimes we've got to be aware what, what's in our heart can leak out of our mouth and we've got to be aware that we don't need it to leak out of our mouth. There's a, there's a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4.13. It says this, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. Look at that. We also believe and therefore speak. Paul is talking to the Christians at Corinth in the church. He says, you know, um, when we, we, if we believe, we could speak. <laughs> speak faith, speak truth, speak life to people. And it can make a difference. See, we in Jesus' name could speak into those things. That, like, as I said, depression and stuff. And where there's darkness and we can bring light just simply by the words we speak. It's not us, it's him through us, but we have the authority. So the first thing that we've got to master is to realize the power of words, realize its power. The second thing James talks about here, he says this, he says in James 3.10, he says, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brothers, this, this thing should not be so. He should not be so. James 3.10. Have, have you ever watched those old Western movies and invariably if you watch the old western movie the the cowboys and the indians type movies and and maybe there'll be an indian on his horse and he'll he'll say and he'll make this statement 
uh, that white man speak with forked tongue. And, and straight away, now we don't speak that way anymore, but we know what it means. Fork, speaking with a forked tongue means speaking with a tongue that says one thing, but that really is going to do something different. It's kind of like hypocrisy, isn't it? You say one thing, but you do, it, you do something different. And so to speak with a forked tongue is to say something, but it means something. You really mean something else. And so we see that the scriptures in James chapter 3 says, come on. He says, in the same mouth, don't let good things and bad things come out. Be aware of that. It, it means to deliberately say one thing, but really means something else. So how do we master our tongue? And this is my simple thought. If we, the first thing is to, to understand the power of it. The second thing is unite your tongue. Unite your tongue. In other words, don't be speaking one thing, but meaning another. Unite your tongue. Speak truth, not one thing and not, and not something else. And You know, it's, it's some animals in our, um, uh, our environment around the world have forked tongues. Big, big lizards have forked tongues. Snakes have forked tongues. Some snakes have forked tongues. And it's no coincidence or no accident that there was a serpent that spoke to Adam and Eve with a forked tongue. And, you know, as he spoke to them, he spoke what he, well, he, he, he was trying to tell them something and they believed it for truth, but it was a lie. And thus they, they were disobedient to God and sin came into the world. It all started because of what was spoken. So that's how powerful speech can be. So James is saying, don't have a forked tongue tongue that's why james says blessing and cursing shouldn't come out of the same mouth you speak life in one instant and yet death in another that shouldn't be the case we, we see in verse 12 that james actually says a fig tree does not bear olives or a grapevine bear figs and what that means is that the in this world is that god created the world he made fruit trees to bear according to their own kind apples trees produce apples lemon trees produce lemons would you agree why? Because the genetic makeup of the tree is to bear what its genetics predetermine. Its genetics predetermine. And so the genetics of an apple tree, you, you might look at it and think, is that an apple tree? There's no apples, but it will produce apples in time, hopefully. I had a mandarin tree, and sometimes it was quite bare, and other times it produced these beautiful, big, puffy mandarins. Um, I killed it, unfortunately, because I thought you had to prune it right back. Anyway, that's another story. But, you know, the reality is it will, it, the fruit that is produced is predetermined by the genetics. And, and you know, um, I'd like to say to you that why did you predetermine the genetics in your mouth? Why did you predetermine and say, you know what, I'm not going to allow when the emotion of some emotion wants to rise up? Because that's always the, 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 the moment that you've got to be careful what you speak when you get emotional. Why did you predetermine, uh, you know, the, the things that are going to come? And when I had this anger and I had this emotion or this frustration or this attitudes, God, would you just help me, Lord, right then to zip that lip, to predetermine. Just as an apple tree will produce apples, may I not produce, may there be sweet, the sweetness in my life not come out as negativity. May, may there not be something that's bitter that travels from my mouth. Because you know what? I don't need to speak with a forked tongue. And when I speak, may it be the truth and not something I kind of mean. But may I truly mean it. And, and help me, God, not to say something that, I, that I, I'm, I'm not, I'm saying this just to kind of, um, you know, to... Maybe to appease the situation, or maybe just to dull it down a bit. But help me to speak. If I'm gonna, if I'm not gonna, let me just speak truth. And if it's not truth, don't speak at all. I think we have to be aware of this. Our tongue 
says one thing, you mean another. And, we, and you know what the Bible says here? It says we can defile our own lives by what we speak. I, w- I remember in high school, there was a young man who every day used to come to school with, I mean, like five to ten bucks in his pocket. And um, five to ten bucks in the days that I went to high school was a lot of money. You could buy a lot of stuff at a place called Tuck Shop. Who remembers Tuck Shop? Okay. And, you know, for five or ten bucks, you could buy a lot. And he always had a group of friends that hummed around him that just spent time with him. I realize now why he did in those early days is because he'd buy stuff for them. And, you know, and I wasn't part of his group. That's cool. I had my own little group. And one day this man, this young guy, he was a grade eight. He was grade eight. He, he came up to my group, up to me and my group. And he says, hey, I have no money this today. And we're like, you're joking. He says, no, no, no. I just, I just haven't got any money. But I tell you what, can I have some money from each of you guys? Because if you give me what you've got, tomorrow I'll double whatever you give me. And I'm like, yeah. Because <laughs> I had 20 cents. 20 don't laugh. 20 cents could buy one of those big buns with all the pink icing on top. Do you know the ones? Oh man, that were my one thing in life I lived for. <laughs> kind of. And this day I had 20 cents. Mama gave me 20 cents and I was going to buy a, pink, a big pink ice bum, a bun. <laughs> Forgive me. Slip of the tongue. Um, so that's why we stumble. <laughs> um, so I I was going to buy this bun and at lunchtime. And so I gave him my 20 cents because I had this thought. I, I, I wasn't silly. Give up the one bun today. I get double the money. I get two tomorrow. And I could handle two buns of those big buns on my own. And so that's what I thought. So the, the, the next day, my friends gave him money. We all gave him money. The next day, we, we found him out because he kind of didn't find us out. We were kind of a bit suspicious. So we found him out. And I come up with my little group and we said, hey, hey, uh, the money. And he looked at us with this smirk and he said, what money? And walked away. And I went, he's fooled me. He's, he's, he's sweet talked us all. We just lost it, at, you know, all our money. And I was angry and I was disappointed with myself as much as, how did I this happen? But there is a young guy that spoke with a forked tongue. And, you know, it's interesting because as the high school years went on, I discovered this young guy had less and less friends. Because even the friends that he did have, they were were the fair weather ones that when he had money, they were happy. When he didn't, they'd walk away. But the truth is, he would always say one thing, but mean something else. And as high school progressed, you can see he defiled himself and he he didn't have hardly any friends left. You know, that's what happens in life. We defile ourselves. And people, you know, it, it becomes a sad life to live when we speak one thing, but really mean another. I've come to the point of realizing that if I'm going to ask someone for dinner, I'm not going to say anymore, oh, you've got to come around for dinner one day. Because if you don't put a specific date and time, you never will. And I don't like doing that anymore, just saying something, but never really doing it. So, you know, we've got to be careful. You know, King David learned this early in life because it says, um, he, he used to watch what he would say, because in Psalm 34, 12 and 13, he says, Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. See what David says? Keep your tongue from evil. I didn't get that one up there. Keep, whoever you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. It's the first, if the first thing to do is to realize the power of the tongue, the second thing is to unite our tongue. And here's the third. 
James 3.14, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. There it is. If you have bitter envy and seeking, where? In your heart. Do not boast and lie against the truth. What does that mean? What that means is if you're in emotional turmoil and your heart has got like envy and selfishness, be careful that lies don't flow out of your mouth. As I said before, if your heart's in a bit of turmoil and emotion is rearing up, we can't, that happens in life. He's saying, be careful what flows out of your mouth. Be careful what leaks out of your lips. Um, because Jesus himself said in Luke 6.45, for out of the abundance of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. Jesus himself said that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And here's how we need to master our ma- mouth. We've got to unclutter our heart. Because our mouth is connected to our heart. And not so much the physical heart, of course. It's the heart of emotion that we have. It's the heart of thoughts. It's the heart of all those things that happen in our lives. Uh, we've got to be careful. We've got to unclutter the heart. It's amazing when it's an uncluttered heart, sweetness comes out. But a cluttered heart sometimes will leak stuff out of our lips that isn't healthy for anybody, especially yourself. Uh, about four years ago, I was staying with my mum. In, in, um, we were just on holidays in Brisbane. And um, my, my wife, Michelle, wanted to get a book, The Life and Times of Benjamin Franklin. She wanted a hard copy of that book. And so we Googled bookstores and we found one only a couple of kilometers away from her suburb. We went to the bookstore. Um, unfortunately, we never found, the book wasn't there that we wanted. But what I did find in that store was the most incredible bookstore I've ever seen for all the wrong reasons. I opened the front door, quite literally at the front door, there was books just piled up on either side. And there's a little avenue that you walked in. As you looked at the bookstore, there was literally thousands and thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of books in there. And they weren't like neatly in shelves they were just piled up on the floor they were just stacked in the in the book uh, book um, cases all different ways and different and, and um, it was how would you ever find a book we actually had to go and ask the lady at the counter we found the counter she was the counter itself was under a pile of books we went to her and said you know this book she says oh no sorry I haven't got that book I said how does she know she's got so many books in here in actual fact when you walk down the corridor of the little book this book um, store you had to go this way to get to find the books and the bookcase is right there and you go my goodness I can't see these books and then I had to back out of a corridor once just to let one of the a person to get out of them she was trapped in there as I walked down it so you know if the health inspector went to this bookstore I got this sense that she would have or whoever was the health inspector would have kind of probably said you've got to do something about your bookstore because this is a health hazard because all it would take was one match and all that paper would have been it would have went somewhere it would have went up (laughs) i tell you it was it was interesting it was very hard to navigate that bookstore and here's the reason it was hard because it was so cluttered and you know i i come to the point that uh, james talks about here he says you know what You've got to be careful what's in your heart. If there's envy and there's um, selfishness and self-seeking things, you've got to be careful, he says, because you're, you, can have the, you can have a tendency sometimes to not speak the truth. You've got to don't speak against the truth, it says in that scripture. So is, and you know what? It makes life very difficult if we've got a cluttered heart. You've got to negotiate life so much more carefully if your heart's so cluttered with stuff. So, you know, our heart attitude 
can make our life a difficult thing to negotiate. And it can throw, and, and you know, if you just throw one unexpected trial into your life when you've got a cluttered heart, well, there's emotions going on. It's interesting. Throw it into the mix. Just a bit of a struggle, an extra thing on top of everything. It's amazing. Sometimes our mouth can go off like a firecracker as words fly from that mouth. And we've got to be care, careful at those moments. You know, when, when you maybe husbands and wives, you're having a bit of a disagreement. And, 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 you know, you've just got to be careful at those moments that you don't speak death to each other, but you speak life, hey? Because that emotion, or you're speaking to someone at work and you've got emotion, you've got to be careful what doesn't leak out of your lips. So, um, you know, the truth is, is that the interesting thing about our hearts is often um, uh, we've got to be careful because it's not the circumstances that are the problem. We often say, oh, it's just the circumstances that are the problem surrounding my life at the moment. But you know what? Often it's not the circumstances so much as it's what's in our heart that's the problem. And, it cre- and, it, and the circumstances just sometimes bring the problem in our heart to the surface. And then something flies out of our mouth that's inappropriate or wrong. Psalm 45.1 says this, My heart is overflowing with a good theme. And then it says, I recite my composition concerning the king. But then it says this, my tongue is the pen of a ready what? Writer. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Do you know that you're, you write your life story every day with your tongue? And it says, when your heart's, full, heart's overflowing with a good theme, boy, you can write a good story. You can write a positive confession. You can write a good life. But when it's, so if that's true, the opposite is true as well. When your heart's not full of a good thing, maybe hurt and pain and anxiety and, and, and some darkness in there, unfortunately our tongue can then write, can write a different story, which isn't what we need. So how do we manage our mouth? How do we manage our mouth? Unclutter our hearts, hey? And that's why I find it so good sometimes in God's presence. Because I can hand over some of the things I'm feeling and the cares and the concerns that want to clutter my heart with emotion that's not healthy. But just yield to Him. There's just one last thing before we finish today. When Jesus was on the cross, dying on a cross for humanity, for you and me, He finally said something at the end before He died. And He spoke these words for everybody in the present proximity to hear these words and he said it is finished what a declaration he made and I'd like to suggest to you he just wasn't talking about his life now ending he was talking about I believe he was speaking and we can use that we can take the same truth he was declaring not not the end of a life but the start of a victory when he died on the cross. He was declaring the start of a victory, victory for humanity, that sin could be forgiven, that pain could be released, that darkness could become light, that the truth could be spoken. He was saying, I can now take the sins of the world. No longer do they need to sacrifice an animal. My life for once and for all was sacrificed. And it's finished. It's the victory. It wasn't a a statement of of, um, loss. It was a statement of a a man who had (laughs) won. For humanity 
And you know, today, maybe there's been words spoken over your life that, you know, you just don't need those words. Maybe someone has said something or something's been spoken that is just such a grief to your heart and it's kept you small. And maybe some element of cursing to it. Do you know what? You can take that word from Jesus today. Hey, let it be finished. Let something be finished and dealt with. Let there be the flowing of forgiveness. Let there be the, the, the forgetting of that word. Let there be, a, a, as you yield it unto me, let there be now, instead of that pain of, of that memory, let there be just a peace that it's no longer going to have rulership over my heart. Could we today, if you're here today, and you know there's some things that have just been spoken over your life that have just been unright, ungodly, not true, and you don't need to listen to them anymore. Can I, can I just challenge you? I believe the Holy Spirit would just say, come on, it can be. Jesus spoke, it is finished. It can be finished. It should be finished. Could we close our eyes today just to give each other a moment of personal um, time to think about it? If you think there's been something spoken or something that's been declared over you that's not right, that's not true, or even if you yourself have continued to have this thought that just wants to bombard you, or there needs to be some breakthrough in some area that wants to come at you all the time, I wonder if today I could pray for you and we could agree together that that thing would be finished and dealt with. And that I would speak, not just my words, but speak His words and that it would be dealt with and we could believe by faith together. And if that's you today, I'd just love you to lift your hand today. Come on, just before Him. And say, yeah, Heavenly Father, I just, um, I come before you and I yield it up to you. Maybe it, it, it's many, 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 many decades ago. Maybe something and, and, and you've not thought about it. But maybe this morning, Holy Spirit just wants to bring it to your attention because it affects you. Maybe those emotions that you had that are so strong at times, you just need to, that's because of something that's in your heart and life that's just been wrong and it's not your doing. So, Father, today, as with the hands that are raised, I, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I say it's finished. It's dealt with. Father, I, we speak words of life today. Your word says that we can be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So today we stand on your word and your truth. And we speak life today to those circumstances that have been dark and they've been painful. And that, Father, right now, your presence would come and bring light into that area. Your presence would start to help us to see differently, to think differently. And to speak differently, we'll find about ourselves as well and not speak negative. But Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus today. I thank you for every person here. I thank you that you have great, incredible love for them. Incredible uh, passion for them. Because it says you so loved the world that you came. You didn't come, Lord, to uh, keep us under your, your thumb. You came us to release us into your freedom and love and to live forgiven. And so we, today, I commit people to you, these ones. And I ask, Holy Spirit, do your work in Jesus' name. Everyone agreed, said, Amen.